You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash Thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash Thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Heckfeld. I'm your host. And our guest today is Jake Dunlop. He is CEO of Scaled Consulting. Uh, Jake's been on the program before, but I wanted to bring him back and talk a little bit about how to approach sales in this global pandemic, this COVID-19 situation we're in. We're recording this at the end of April. We've been in this a couple of weeks now. You know, best guess, you know, we're going to be in it for a while. It's certainly going to impact the economy. It's going to impact yeah. business for many weeks to come, many months to come. So, I uh, wanted to have this conversation. So, Jake, welcome to the program. Awesome. Look, it's good to be back, and you know, looking forward to at least hopefully giving some nuggets here to to help folks as they're yeah. you know going through this right now. Yeah. So let's kind of talk about, I mean, the situation at this point is, you know, businesses are still locked down. It looks like we're coming out of the social isolation, shelter in place kind of thing. In the coming weeks, at least different parts of the country are kind of getting released to some extent. But, you know, business has changed. I mean, what's your kind of take on how you kind of sum up or how you kind of see the new world order as it relates to kind of marketing and sales and this whole kind of prospecting area? What's the impact or what? how have things changed for you? Yeah, and I think that this is important. I mean, look, if you're a CEO, an entrepreneur, I mean, I think it's important for anyone who's running a business too. But like you said, I think we see now whether we're over the crest or we can kind of start to peek over what's on the other side. It, it yeah. feels like we're kind of getting there, you know. And I talked to probably twenty to thirty CEOs, VPs of sales, VPs of marketing every week, and and I can just tell you like the temperature is okay. Things are kind of gradually, you know, kind of like like people didn't miss their numbers as bad as they thought and not as many deals pushed as they thought. So overall, I think it's the attitude is starting to kind of like we're going through this optimism. I'll tell you, I was talking to the head of marketing and a CMO at a company called Trip Actions last night. And I've talked to her a few times. And and I, and I think the, the question I'd asked her a question too about this kind of idea of the pivot, they, they pivoted super hard, right? They were in the corporate travel space, right? So oh, geez, they had yeah. to make a massive pivot. They, you know, unfortunately, they had to do some layoffs. But what they did is they literally, in one weekend, they pulled out every single one of their sequences. They had 60 plus sequences, pulled mm-hmm. all of them out, worked the entire weekend and updated the entire messaging and put it back in. And really? It's and so as we talked about that, and, and I was talking to the team at G two. Uh, it's a big software review site. Same thing. They created a whole new playbook for the team. Got the whole sales team certified on it. Here's how we're talking to marketing. Here's how we're talking about events and virtual and all this stuff. And and I think what what I feel like happened is that over the last four to five years, we got satisfied with incremental <laughs> small changes. Yeah. One percent tweak here, two percent. We stopped being creative. 
We stopped yeah. looking for, you know, this this concept of incremental gains versus monumental leaps. We stopped looking for monumental leaps and we had been in a coma for the last like marketing and sales for the last three to four years in particular. We got all these new sales technologies. They helped us to do all these little like optimizations and we stopped innovating. What I feel like is going to come on the other side is a renewed appreciation for the customer's, you know, messaging and customer experience. And so if you yeah. ask me the question about what I think marketers learned and sales leaders learned and hopefully CEOs is like, you have to be specific. You have to really understand what your customers are going through. You can't keep sending the same generic stuff. And you know, you're wondering why your response rates are lower than ever, etc. I think we have a new appreciation for the customer coming on the other side of this, and we're getting more specific and tailored and customized with our messaging. This forced us to do it, but I think we're going to do a better job of it on the other side too. Was the change just making everything virtual? Or I mean, what else has changed in terms of the messaging? I mean, to the extent that these people went in and, and rewrote yeah. their entire sequences, what, what were the changes they made? Well, I mean, if you think about it, there were different buckets that people started to get looped into. Everyone immediately at first went into a, a, what I called like the turtle shell bucket, which is <laughs> we can't sell. It's impossible. Yeah, yeah. You know, we we have to just, you know, say, hey, I know times are hard, generic, generic, fake empathy. Um, yeah, yeah. Let's, like, I'd love to catch up. Let's let's talk in two to four weeks. So a lot of sales teams ran to that. And what they didn't really appreciate is, look, there was actually, there's three buckets. There's people actually in industries that are doing just fine. Yeah. They weren't affected, right? Yeah. If you're selling bread makers, you just had your most all time ever. <laughs> it's the best time ever to sell bread makers and yeast ever, right? Yeah. Like, and, and that's a, like a very micro example, but there's a lot of other industries that are doing fine. And then there's industries on the flip side of the bucket that which is that we're doing really bad like travel yeah, tourism travel, hospitality yeah. you know all these things events and yeah. then there's a, a whole bunch of companies that actually fell in this like third bucket which you know i call like the middle where if they could just reposition a little bit of who the product like what the product does that then they could be more like hey we can help you right now and i think that's what it was it's looking for so what they did at you know trip actions for example is they've pivoted everything they got their dev team and they stopped talking about you know corporate travel as much but they did start to talk about like worker safety, what countries are blacklisted, up to date, mm-hmm. getting a live feed from the CDC. So then you can manage your people remotely, you know, kind of manage the travel and how they come out the other side of it. It's interesting. It's almost like figuring out, well, what is the new problem my customer has and how do I address that? That's exactly it. You know, so I was talking yeah. to a, a well-established uh, human capital management company. They've been in business for 15 years, 500 plus employees, and they they usually were leading with their compensation tool. Nobody's thinking about comp plans right now. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. as we talked about, we, t- you know, we talked about it, we worked with them, we said, okay, what's the next thing that usually gets your foot in the door? Well, we've got this performance management. Like, okay, well, let's talk about that a little bit. And it's like, okay, so we don't sell a performance management tool. We sell a remote work engagement tool. Same product, same features, but instead we're changing the positioning. And I feel like it's forced us to be smart again. It's forced us as sales leaders and marketers to have to really think what are our customers going through? And no matter how we think we should position it, what's going to resonate with them right now? And I think that's the the important. And how have have you seen any interesting strategies for people to actually develop that insight? Because I think it's easy to kind of, all my clients are in crisis, I'm going to go out with this crisis. But as you mentioned, you know, some people are fine. How do you get that information? How do you have that conversation or how do you do that research to really understand what are my customers going through? Because you may not know or it may not be obvious to you. Well, Bruce, this is going to be rocket science. You go talk to your customers. <laughs> like, oh, softball there, yeah. Go, go talk to your customers. Jesus. Yeah. Like, that's the other thing. It's funny. So again, same conversation I was having. So I do a, a Wednesday wind down that I've been doing just for marketers. We've had 20 plus marketers there every single Wednesday and Wednesday mm-hmm. night. I you know, might have 
one, maybe two glasses of Pinot Noir. We talk marketing <laughs> cha- changes. Conversation. <laughs> yeah, and then maybe, yeah, maybe it's three sometimes. Who knows, right? So, you know, what we were talking about this last Wednesday, and, and I posed a question. I really put them on the spot, you know, and I said, look, you know, I said, well, well tell me about how you, you view your current customers as a part of this. And they're like, yeah, da, 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 da. And then it's like... <laughs> you know, are we going to carry that through with us? Like is marketing? And then what I realized, I mean, holy shit, this girl called it out in the chat. Marketers aren't incentivized to retain customers. And it's kind of interesting. You're like, oh yeah, they aren't. And it's like, mm, it's kind of like yeah. this obvious, I was, I was like, I don't know how, it, like I didn't see this before, but I'm like, that is a problem. Yeah. And I, I, I feel like what we are going to see though, is a renewed focus on customer like satisfaction and customer happiness that we're going to have to, our buyer behaviors have been changing. We haven't been keeping up. Marketers have been doing the same bullshit ebook to gated content to blog. Yeah. They've been running the same yeah. play for 10 years, yeah. man. HubSpot developed that play in 2010. And we've been running the same play. Now marketers are realizing, look, these people want access to information quickly. They want less friction. They want this stuff. And here's what my buyers are going through. So talk to your customers. And I think marketing departments and other people are going to be doing a better job of that going forward. I hope. Yeah. Have you seen any issues? I've run into a couple issues where, you know, the company themselves is in crisis and they're trying to figure out how to sell and pitch to companies that are not necessarily in crisis, but it's a real kind of headspace game. Anything that you've seen or any strategies that you've kind of worked with for companies that they're in crisis, right? I mean, their business model is, you know, is upside down, but they're trying to sell and they're just stuck in kind of the mindset and the kind of the position, the, the mental position of being in this fear, but they're trying to sell and the people that they're trying to sell to are not necessarily in crisis. How do you deal with that situation? Well, as a CEO or you know someone who's a leader in that organization, it's your job to soften the blow and to, to help to create the messaging, show the people there's another side to this. You know, you yeah. might have to make some tough decisions. You know, we had to do a small kind of workforce reduction. You know, we did it quick. It was apparent to me, like, look, you know, the next month or two months were going to be difficult and we needed to make some changes. And so we made the changes and we're stronger, kind of leaner and better on the, the other side of it. And it, it was unfortunate. But, you know, I think that's just part of running a company. Guess yeah. what, friends? It's not all upside economy. <laughs> you know, like, guess yeah. what? This is what running a business looks like. Yeah. You know, like, and if you just want to run a business where it's only in the, the easy times, then, you know, you probably should just quit or sell every five years. You know, like, yeah. I feel like you just have to make the decisions for the business, you know, that you need to make. Yeah. And then you've got to be able to make the decisions and insulate the team, you know, from give them hope and inspire hope yeah. with the team. And, and that's, that's your job and go confide in your buddies and other people and peers and, you know, peer groups. And, you know, you do a great job of that, Bruce, and have those conversations. But to your team, you know, they need to see you as a person, you know, you can be vulnerable and I'm, we're, I'm like overtly transparent about our cash flow, everything with our team. Yeah. But also I know that, you know, look, I, they're looking to me to do that. And it's my mm-hmm. job you know, as a CEO to make sure that they feel, hey, that we're going to take care of you. And, and if yeah. we need help, we're going to ask them for help. Hey guys, we need you to do this or that. And then you kind of see what kind of team you have too. Yeah, it's hard. You Sometimes you got to make tough, tough calls. You know, I know that you were in New York during our, the various kind of crises we've had with 9-11 and Sandy and blackouts and things like that. But, you know, I really feel like this one's different in many respects. I mean, as a CEO who's been kind of through crises of different times and, and different sorts, how, how have you kind of sort of seen this one as, you know, similar and or different in terms of how you need to respond or kind of the strategic planning you need to do. I'm just kind of curious in your take as uh, having been through some of these before, what your take is on this one. I mean, for me, I was, 
I was still in college in 9-11. You know, I was yeah. still Bruce. Now you're dating. You're trying to date me. Right? <laughs> like, you know, but, but for, I'll tell you, I mean, I, I really grew up in my sales career during 2007 through 2010. I, I worked yeah. at CareerBuilder, which at the time was the largest job site in the US. Yeah. So I was managing a team that was selling jobs between 2007 and 2010. <laughs> and and so, like and I've learned this about myself and it's a weakness in, in other times, but I love it. Like I'm built for it. I'm what you would refer to as like, I don't think that there's been times I've been a great peacetime CEO. Yeah. Like I'm built for pivots. Like that's why I started a sales consulting company yeah. because I like the pivots, et cetera. So by the nature of our business, I think we were more prepared for this. And for me, my mindset is like, it is what it is. So why spend any time dwelling on why this has happened, how this has happened? I was thinking about what if something happens well in advance of this, right? Like what happens if the economy goes bad? Like, well, we've been on a pretty all-time run. It's going to happen. And if you as a CEO or VP of sales were caught with your pants down, that's partially on you too. Guys, like there was going to be, now was it going to be quarantine? Could you, you couldn't isolate for all the variables of why it happened or how it would happen, but you did know that something would happen. So for us, like what we knew would happen is this, and I'll just play it out for you. We knew that there would come a period where the economy would take a downturn. What would happen is people would lose jobs just like they do. Then what the companies would want to do is they're going to hire back. Are they going to hire back in full force? Are they going to want to hire part-time people? right? Staff augmentation, contractors, people that they can potentially like replace down the road. They're not tied to fixed headcount. Mm-hmm. Guess what we do? We do part-time sales operations, part-time sales leadership. So that's not the messaging we led with in April, but you better believe that's the whole marketing plan in May. Yeah. So we've been thinking through like, how is this thing going to ride out? So I feel like one, these times always happen. So as a CEO or sales leader or marketing leader, you need to be prepared for those, you know, and you need to think about it. And then two, you know, just try to think like there will be another side of this and how are you going to position yourself as the things play out? Yeah, no, I definitely. I think this whole thing has accelerated, uh, you know, a whole bunch of trends. You know, I think, you you know, the whole kind of gig economy thing is definitely being pushed forward. What else do you see? What else do you think are going to be kind of general changes to the way business operates that people need to kind of have on their strategic plan or their roadmap in terms of figuring out how they need to kind of change their offering, their positioning, how they operate to kind of address the new world that's going to be, you know, evolving over the coming months, over coming quarters? I mean, I'll try to talk to the things that I know versus, you know, speculate um, sure. or, or things that I mean, I guess I, I guess I can't really know or things I, I might have a higher likelihood to be right on. Look, I've seen the trend for a long time of people being very focused on efficiency over effectiveness that we've developed all these technologies that make it more efficient for us to do things. And again, it goes back to that point of like increment, like eking out these small changes. And what we've done in a lot of marketing and sales organizations is really just beating the creativity out of people. We've said, go execute the process. <laughs> yeah. This machine is going to tell you yeah. what you should send. And therefore, again, we're, we're always looking for those ones and twos. And, and the, the messaging just becomes generic. It becomes generic enough to be applicable to like a, a relevant enough subset to where there appears to be some amount of effectiveness. So I really feel like the big trend is like organizations and sales and marketing and marketing has done a better job of this historically just because they've had paid media. So they're, they're used to that kind of optimization yeah. culture. I feel like all parts of your revenue organization are going to have to develop that always optimizing mindset. And I feel like, especially in sales organizations, there's a set it and forget it mindset. You build a new playbook, right? That thing runs for a year and you look at it from time to time, as opposed to like you're constantly making small improvements. Same thing with your tech stack. You know, you make an investment, you let it kind of crank for a while. You know, you have this strategy around social where you do X, Y, Z. So I just feel like there's going to be a, a renewed focus on doing things that are maybe not quite as 
you know, plug and play. They mm-hmm. have elements of plug and play. They're technology enabled, but we're going to have to bring the human kind of like back to it. And that, that I think we're going to have people being more creative coming out of this in that I think teams are now going to therefore kind of carry that over and hopefully create better buyer experiences and sales experiences as a, as a part of that. That's my, I think my, my big trend. Cause we've already been heading this way in B2C, right? Like I track you, I show you a cookie. Yeah. I, I customize this experience and website B2B. We have been really lazy around that. It's very yeah. one size fits all. Like, oh, you're a finance director. You're the exact same. It's like, well, no, a finance director in a manufacturing company has a completely different set of problems than a and then a finance director in a HR technology company, right? Yeah, like, exactly. there ones there's margin issues, there's labor issues. Like, and I feel like before it's just like we treat all finance directors like finance directors, and so I feel like there's going to have to be an appreciation for the nuances that we maybe it's like we used to have it because we had to. We didn't have there wasn't that technology didn't exist ten years ago to just hit send all and do some customization you had to kind of dig and now because so much is spoon fed to people i think they're just not they're not taking that extra step but i but i think that that's going to change yeah uh, i definitely have sort of seen this trend in kind of ai and and kind of a system enhanced processes where you know the ai does a great job of gathering data analyzing it giving you kind of options and probabilities and and things but you know the humans actually need to make the final step of making <laughs> the call and finding the insight and i'm going to get let me give you the perfect example of this Bruce. Yeah. this is this is one of my favorite sectors and we've got a we've got a client partner we've got a tech partner in this too that i think does a really wonderful job um predictive forecasting okay the bane of forecasting for yeah. sales and marketing organizations has always been there's actually one one major variable all of the data is based on the salesperson's perspective of what's happening. It's pretty wild <laughs> if you think about it, yeah. right? It's uh, most of the data that's in 99% of the data, other than like what website they visited or, you know, did they accept a calendar invite? There, there's certain things that these tools are pulling in that, that is that, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, if you want to improve your forecasting accuracy, you know what the actual fix is? You train the team how to ask the customer, <laughs> like, <Yeah>. hey, <laughs> where are we at in the process? What are the yeah. next steps? Like, it's like, wait, you need a predictive forecast? Like, no, you just need to retrain the sales team how to like ask yeah. better questions. And, you know, so I, I feel like that's a good example where we were starting to rely more and more on technology instead of just having the human questions, you know, like no amount of meeting attendance can tell you that actually Susie's getting ready to go on maternity leave and this, this, and this is happening. And that's, you know, it's that type of like mix of technology and human that I think we're going to see us uh, us start to focus on as we go through this. I think we go through these evolutions in sales and and certainly we had the technology evolution over the last four to five years where we kind of removed a lot of the human. It was very, very human relationship-y. Now it's more technical. And I think we come out the other side with with, with a nice hybrid. Yeah. I'm curious what you think is going to happen to some of these industries that rely upon these physical events so much. I mean, I I operate in a couple of industries that, you know, it's all based on trade shows and, you know, these conferences and things like that. And I mean, I, I, I don't think we're going to see any you know, large gatherings, you know, certainly through the end of 2020 and probably a good part into 2021. I mean, how are these industries that have relied upon, you know, some of these venues and events and stuff to really build these connections? What do you think is going to happen with some of this stuff? Well, what we probably, the first thing to come back will be small events, right? So maybe you can do dinners, right? Or you can do like, and people have been moving that way quite a bit, right? These like micro events. Mm -hmm. So I think the first thing to come back will be that. So we'll be able to go back to some of those plays where we do dinners or, you know, small gatherings and conversations. And and so I think the key is what you want to be 
if you think about this, is you want to be the hub that people to go to for information. And so whether that's via virtual events or physical events. And I think, is there Zoom fatigue? Sure. Is it <laughs> yeah. a thing? You know, yeah, for sure. And we, were at, we just ran a conference last week. We had our sales engagement master's conference. We had 1,200 registrants, almost 600 show up. And, you know, look, we had throughout the day, you kind of started, people started to trail off and we learned. We're like, okay, so it ended up being about five hours. You know, okay, that's too long. So maybe yeah. next time we do our virtual conference, we'll just do two days, two hours each day, right? And then, you know, we think that that'll fix some of that fatigue. So I think like, look, you just got to move to virtual. People are attending. Yeah. We put this thing together in three weeks, 1,200 registrants, I mean, over with like almost 300, either like VP to C levels attend, attend or, or register. Yeah. So I feel like you got to pivot to that. And then you got to pivot. The other pivot other than just virtual, which is kind of like the, the easy answer is I think the idea of like a community around topics that you need to be the curator around topics that you can own because then that, those are communities that you can activate on an ongoing basis and get your customers more involved in those communities too. You know, using your customers as advocates, I think we're going to see a rise in customer advocacy and bringing that in. There's a really awesome play. Actually, this, this guy, Jeremy from Lead IQ shared in our sales engagement master's conference where their play is what they do is they they direct message someone on LinkedIn. They say, hey, current customer, hey, current customer, hey, tell me how you find like success with Lead IQ around this pain point. And then the customer responds, they take that, they screenshot it and they send it to prospects. And, <laughs> and I'm like, that's genius. Like yeah. everybody should be doing it. Or you send what, a cold email? Like so stupid, right? Yeah. Like, so I, I feel like there's a creativity element. There's a, a customer advocacy, this kind of community customer advocacy. I think that is where my head would go, right? Where what we're trying to do, you know, I can just tell you at scale, you know, again, like we're doing mm -hmm. this marketing happy hour, right? We want to be a place that if you're looking for like, what are marketers doing in B2B, it's coming to the happy hour, you learn things, right? And we've got different marketers from different companies joining every week, different sales leaders join, kind of do like an ask me anything on Mondays. And we have different sales leaders that rotate in on that. And, you know, we're getting ready to launch a group in May called Revenue Nation, where we're going to be focused on, you know, data and insights for frontline sellers. You know, we've seen that there's a lot of groups out there for sales leaders and for others, but not enough yeah. for sellers. For the sellers and, themselves. Yeah. And I think that this idea of community is is an important one. And and this idea that marketing is not just about asking all the time and selling all the time, but also about, you know, building brand and and there there is a value in brand equity that I think maybe we forgot about too. Yeah. That, you know, as opposed to just everything's performance based. So I think you gotta get more creative and think about some of these ideas. There's a lot of companies I think that are doing a really good job of this this right now, and they're just building communities around topics, and that's yeah. something that you can do. That did, you know, I was talking to a, a successful like oceanics company at, in Nova Scotia uh, was it Wednesday, mm -hmm. and it's like they are like the leader in deep ocean microphones. I'm like, great, you're gonna own hashtag <laughs> hashtag ocean sounds, yeah. right? Like. It's like, because again, like, will that go viral on Instagram? Maybe you could put that on TikTok, maybe, yeah. right? Like, and you become the ocean sound company, you know, like, and people like you, there's an affinity for you. It also makes people want to work with you. That's yeah, what exactly. people don't get about brand is like, yeah. although they might not have found you through it, it might be that, but man, then people want to work with you. You know, they're like, yeah, oh, wow. Yeah. That's that guy or that, yeah. Yeah, that's that team. So. Any good uh, practices, you know, I can see a lot of people kind of putting together communities, but in terms of keeping them together long-term, leveraging them from, you know, really thought leadership position, what are some of the things you can do as a kind of a community manager, community gatherer that's going to make that effective and valuable yep. and ultimately, you know, convert for you? You have to have the community in mind first. The community experience first, selling and marketing to them has to be a very distant second. Why you see so many communities not make it is the intentions become obvious. You see yeah. that like, 
Oh, I see what they're doing. Okay, let me go to the next thing, right? And, <laughs> or they're and just waiting. You're waiting for the pitch. Yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah. So I think, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk talks about this. I'm a big Gary V fan. And, mm-hmm. you know, he says jab, 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 right hook, right? Where you, you give, 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 and then, then you ask. I think most companies, when they build community, they're asking every other thing or they're yeah. promoting something. I think if you really want to do it, you have to maybe understand that that community will never have an ROI for you that you can measure. Mm, and I think yeah. that is a terrifying proposition for yeah. marketers. 10 years ago, they'd have been like, yeah, that makes sense. And now it's like, what? Like why? And I, and I feel like, you know, it's when people ask me, Jake, you know, look, you post on LinkedIn twice a day. What's the ROI of a post? Like, I don't know. I do know that we closed millions of dollars in business from it last year. Yeah. What's the ROI of one post? I don't know. Yeah. You know, like, so I feel like we have to start to invest in some of these things that we might not be able to directly attribute one-to-one ROI with and, and that that's okay. That marketing is kind of a mix of these brand activities and these more measurable activities. Yeah, no, exactly. Jake, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, about Scaled, what's the best way to get that information? Yeah, definitely. Look, if you're you're trying to work through any marketing or sales, you know, challenges, please, you know, please reach out. I'm always down to try to help or get someone on the team who can have a conversation at a minimum. You can email me, Jake at Scaled. It's Scaled with a K. So it's S-K-A-L-E-D uh, dot com. You can find me on LinkedIn. It's just forward slash Jake Dunlap. So just, if you type in Jake Dunlap, if you're looking for kind of bite-sized tips, you know, if you're like, hey, I, I, I want to get some more like sales or if you want to see all the videos that we've been doing and all these webinars I've talked about, head to, I'm on my YouTube. It's Jake Dunlap Sales um, and all these different webinars and all these different things. You know, we've been aggregating all of that there. So I think those are some some good spots to start. Perfect. I'll make sure that those links are in the show notes so people can click through. Thank you. Uh, this has been great. I, I'm very curious to see how things play out. Maybe we'll do another follow-up in, uh, yeah. in a couple of months. We'll see. Sort of see. I'll take my um, Nostradamus hat off. We'll see how, if I was <laughs> remotely correct. And we'll open the envelope. We'll open the envelope and see what we got right. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time today. I appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, Bruce. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.